This show contains movie spoilers and swearing. Welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host, RJ McCready, and for this episode, I'm going to be taking guys back to a year in 2002 to look at Danny Boyle's horror zombie movie, 28 Days Later. So let's go to the deserted streets of London. Let's play you guys a trailer, and I'll see you soon. And welcome back guys, so the synopsis of this film is four weeks after a mysterious incurable virus spreads throughout the UK, a handful of survivors try to find sanctuary. It's got 7.6 on IMBD, it's an R-rated movie and it was directed by Danny Boyle, it's a story by Alex Garland and it is starring Cillian Murphy or Killian Murphy, uh, Naomi Harris, Brendan Gleeson, Megan Burns and Christopher Eccleston. It was made for a budget of $8 million, but it took a whopping $85 million at the box office at the time, so it's a very successful movie. You've also got the music by John Murphy, um, who's done other movies such as 
lock, stock and two smoking barrels and kick ass. And he's got a very, he's got a signature to his music. It's got a very sort of electronic instrumental post rock and it goes very well with this film. Uh, which is one of the um, standouts for me, I think, the music. It really just um, creates the pace. It creates the doom and the threat and all that sort of stuff, which I've said before is music is a very important thing for a movie. So it, it does an incredible job for this. Um, 28 Days Later, I mean, it's it's. I think it's um, it comes across as an independent-type movie to me, even though um, Danny Boyle, the, the director... He, he's done he's done some really good movies before this, such as uh, Train Spotting, Shadow Grave, and The Beach. And talking about The Beach, you've got Alex Garland. Um, he actually wrote uh, Twenty Eight Days Later, and he also wrote The Beach, which was a uh, very successful novel, which was turned into a movie. And um, it, it's almost like if you didn't have The Beach, you wouldn't have this film, because this is how. Um, Danny Boyle met Alex Garland apparently when they were wrapping that film up Alex Garland said to Danny Boyle I've got this idea for a zombie movie which is um, the, the the main theme for it or the, the selling point is that in this film we're going to have running zombies and Danny Boyle liked the idea of it they, they worked together, they put a script together and uh, we ended up with uh, 28 Days Later which uh, came out at a time where um, there wasn't a zombie trend back then. I, I remember this. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't like people were saying, "Hey, I want a zombie movie," and it it wasn't. Uh, how can I explain it? Zombie movies are big now, and Twenty Eight Days Later has something to do with that. I think it really did sort of spark that off because. After the success of this movie, uh, you, you ended up having um, the incredible uh, Dawn of the Dead remake, which is which is really, which is a really good film when it comes to remaking. It's uh, loved by fans. Um, you ended up having Shaun of the Dead with uh, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg, and then you ended up having the the Walking Dead TV show. Uh, computer games, one of the computer games which I love, which is um, The Last of Us. You had World War Z, you know, Hollywood took it on with um, Brad Pitt. Uh, and then you had all the other um, independent movies that came along. I saw, I saw a lot of them come, released on DVD. So uh, zombies just went through the roof. And you even have... All the uh, all the cosplay stuff now, and your zombie groups, and people getting together and pretending to be zombies, and you've got to survive, and all this sort of stuff. It's still the trend's still there now, and uh, as I said, I, I think Twenty Eight Days Late has got a lot to do with that. So um, the other thing with this film, it's got a very good uh, script. I really like the characters in it. Um, with all the impending doom that goes on in this film. I have in rewatched it recently. I've noticed that the story is really good. You know, you've got the story of Jim, who's you know woken up after an accident. He's wondering what the hell's going on, and then he meets Selena and Mark, and you know Selena's 
become a survivalist is very hard and I just like the way the story grows between them two throughout the movie. Um, and then you have the twist at the end, which I'll get into too later on. And even though 28 Days Later, it, it really ignited the zombie genre back in the early 2000s. Um, at the same time, and this isn't a criticism, but nor is it, it, it it's very clever at the same time, it's like Danny Boyle and Alex Garland have, haven't really created something that's different, if that makes sense. Because when you look at this movie, um, the main blueprint is, is the Day of the Triffids. Because you've got Jim who wakes up in the hospital, um, the same as the main character in Day of the Triffids. And the population's been wiped out by something. And you get a character walking around the streets, and then it, that story progresses. And then along the way, with this movie, you you, ha you almost have like Easter eggs from other movies. Now, when I was talking about uh, running zombies, a lot of people at the time, this is fair enough because we hadn't we hadn't really seen a zombie movie for a long time. Uh, a lot of people thought that. Um, Running Zombies was new because of 28 Days Later, but it's not. And I've got to shout this out because uh, Ricky Morgan from How Mean Power would never forgive me if I didn't say this. <laughs> is, uh, you actually had Running mo um, running Zombies in one of my favourite zombie movies, uh, The Return of the Living Dead, uh, which sometimes gets overlooked, um, but that did it first. And then there's other bits in this film which you've, you've also got, uh, which I see as Easter eggs, which is Dawn of the Dead. Especially the bit when our when our heroes get to a uh, a grocery store or supermarket, and they're you know they're running around the store with um, shopping trolleys, and you've got a really good um, soundtrack in the background. I can't remember the name of the band now, but um, I did post it on my page the other day. And that is very much like our heroes in Dawn of the Dead when they're having a moment of fun around the uh, shopping mall. So I kind of saw an Easter egg there with that. And then you've got um, uh, Day of the Dead and I guess um, Day of the Triffids with the army guys. Where particularly one scene where the Major is experimenting with one of the zombies tied to a chain. That's very much like the um, army personnel who do the same thing in Day of the Dead. So you've kind of got got like a tie tie in there plus the fact you've got um the army who you think might save you that turn into the bad guys again another time with uh with day of the dead so but at the same time you know i brought those points up and it's not a you know it is not a criticism to the directors at all in fact it's it's damn near genius because they've taken all these ideas and then they've then created a film which seems really fresh at the same time. So when I went to go and see it, I was just like blown away. And I was familiar with the other films as well, you know, with uh, Return of the Living Dead and Day of the Dead. And I just think it's very clever how you, you take a genre which has kind of laid a little bit flat and then you've reignited it and you made it feel fresh. And talking about fresh, I mean, this film, I remember going to see it Back in 2002, it scared the hell out of me. Um, 
because I live in England, and I think this was one of the reasons, and I've heard this a lot from other reviews, particularly people who live in England, is that I can relate to some of these film locations, you know, central London. And it was the first time that I'd seen a film where it was like desolate, and there's a guy walking around, I was thinking, I know, I know these streets, I know these locations, and it was haunting. And the other great thing here as well was the actual um, the camera work. It just felt like someone was walking around with a handheld camera and filming our hero Jim, you know, walking around. And it had a, I think they put a, a yellow lens over the camera just to make it look like the London was infected, which was very clever. And yeah, it's. I seem to remember not seeing anything like that before, um, because this movie is not a—it's not a found footage movie, but it feels like it, and you really do feel like you're there with the characters as well, trying to sort of survive this uh, this this incredible nasty virus that's uh, broken out. And I mentioned this now because I'm going to get—I do a little bite-sized review, as, as you guys know, I, I do with my past episodes and that. But there's the relationship between Jim and Selena, which I really like in this film as well, which is, it's great the way it, it rolls along from when Jim meets Selena. And she she is an incredible um, character. And, and Naomi Harris does a great job in this. And you can... You can always, you don't need to see her backstory because you can already see it that she's, she was probably living, in, you know, her life before the virus, and then all of a sudden, you know, the shit has hit the fan, and she's had to really step it up, I think, and she's become over the 28 days herself a survivor, someone who, you know, has to depend on herself, and there's a really good scene when uh, Jim and Selena are walking through a uh, it's when they get to like that church when they meet Frank and they're just spending a bit of time together and she said that something on the lines of there's nothing else in the world, it's all gone. Um, the best thing that we've got is staying alive. And then I like this, the character of Jim to actually come out and say, well, that's what you was thinking. And then she comes out and says, well, maybe I was wrong, you know, and then Jim comes out and says, now that is what I was thinking. And it's a really nice way of him being able to say, look, you know, there is still, amongst all this, there is still some love that that we found like with each other. You know, we found some survivors. We found Frank and Hannah. And, um, yeah, there's little bits like that. I think that's very, very clever writing. And there is a bit that happens at the, at the beginning that happens in the end when Selena says to Jim, I'll kill you in a heartbeat. And at the end, when he saves her from the army guys, she stood there with a knife and then Jim comes out and says, that was more than a heartbeat. And uh, yeah, there's there's some really good stuff like that. Um, it's really good writing. So before I do the review, let's have a look at some trivia here because I always have to ch chuck a little bit of trivia in with these movies. Stephen King loves this movie. The, you know, the famous horror writer loves it. He went to the cinema, he fell in love with it. So he's a he's a massive fan, which has got to be a you know testament to uh, the writer and director. Uh, Ewan McGregor was the original choice. Um, 
I've had a look online here. Apparently, there was a little bit of a fallout between him and the director. Um, the some of the infected uh, extras in this movie, or the infected cast, uh, we were athletes. They used athletes for that because of their fast pace and running to make them look a little bit more sort of superhuman. And they closed off London for about four. They had a forty-five minute window early in the morning. And they closed off parts of Piccadilly Circus. And there's that scene with the uh, bus tipped over. So they only had a, a small amount of time, which is very clever. Also, I've never directed a film, but I imagine there's quite a lot of work involved in that. Um, it spawned a sequel, which is 28 weeks later, which I might get into for another episode. Uh, there's a graphic novel called The, the Aftermath. And Robert Carlyle was a choice to play Major West, which is played by uh, Christopher Eccleston. So Robert Carlyle, again, is uh, he's, uh, Danny Boyle royalties and he was in uh, Train Spotting, but he does turn up in the sequel 28 weeks later. So there you go, guys. That's the, the building block to this movie. Let's do a bite-sized review. So the film starts off, just throws you straight in with some uh, real footage, I think, of some riots and some social unrest around the world and people throwing petrol bombs and all that sort of stuff. And then the camera pans down to a monkey in a lab and then you've got a group of environmental activists that break in and the lab technician says to the activists, what the hell are you doing here? Because... If you unleash these um, monkeys, then you're going to unleash a deadly virus. And the activists, they don't care what he says. They release the monkeys, and then this is kind of like the, the ground zero moment where one of the activists gets bitten by the monkey and immediately turns into like a rage victim, starts spitting blood. And at this time, you know, from an audience perspective, you're thinking, oh my God, what the hell? Um, and it's really quite scary when you think about it. Then it goes to the main title, it's quite clever, you've got the main title here, 28 Days Later, and you're introduced to our, one of our heroes, which is Bicycle Courier Jim, and he awakens in a coma in uh, St. Thomas Hans Hospital in central London, and this is a Easter egg to what I said earlier to um, Day of the Triffids, it's... Uh, same thing happens to the main character and that's so as a little bit of an easter egg also happens to rick grimes later on in walking dead so if you find yourself waking up in a hospital and everybody's gone beware so then jim walks around uh he's wondering where everybody is the only thing you hear him say is shouting out hello hello he's picking up cans of um uh, diet pepsi to try or um, Coca-Cola to try and get some sugar in him and there's some little points here where he starts picking up money because he's still thinking that money might be useful because he doesn't know what's happened and then he's walking around some iconic um, sites of London such as Westminster Bridge he finds the upturned bus and then he goes into a church and this is quite this is like your first scene of I guess you could say realisation for Jim where he comes across a uh, a pastor who has been infected and Jim's going hello you know father can I help you and then 
the father comes running towards him and then Jim hits him with a, uh, his bag of uh, Coca-Cola and he says, oh no, I shouldn't have done that. And then he gets uh, pursued by the infected and you're, you know, watching this movie, you're thinking, oh my God, how, how is this, how is our character Jim going to be able to get away from this because he's just come out of a hospital? He doesn't, and this is what I like about it as well, he doesn't seem like your type of guy who's going to be able to deal with this either. Um, you think Jim, because I don't know if it's because he's wearing hospital garment, just like, you think this guy's going to get wiped out very quickly. But then this is where you're introduced to Selena and Mark, and they're wearing gas masks, and they use petrol bombs to take out the infected. They blow up a petrol station, and then um, you get a scene here where they hide out in a shop with Jim. And then this is where they tell him that there was a... A virus that got released and within 28 days later it's pretty much wiped out the whole of the UK and then they say the last thing that they heard is that it hit Paris and then it hit New York and we don't know what's what's happened after that. Then at Jim's request he um, asked Mark and Celine if he can go back to his parents. They travel to Deptford and this is where it's quite a sad scene really. He finds his parents have committed suicide um, he finds them upstairs in bed together and there's a note saying that we are now with you Jim so they obviously thought that he didn't survive in the hospital um, it's quite a sad scene and then during that night they stay in the house and then Jim's walking around the house he's got a I think he's got a candle or something and because he's using the candle he's a little bit um, reckless with this candle because the light is reflected out onto the street and it's alerted the zombies. One of them comes through the, the pane glass window and you get an attack scene here. And again, you think Jim's number's up here because he's got a zombie on top of him. He's dripping blood all over him. And this is where Mark and Selena come to his aid. But unfortunately, Mark gets bitten. And this is where you, know, you see Selena just takes him out. She just hacks Mark up straight away. And she hasn't given him a chance to turn into... Um, I know they don't mention zombies, but you know, t before he turns into a zombie, and it's just her saying, We've, I've got to get him before he gets me. And at this point, I remember watching this um, at the cinema, and I, I, it was a shame that Mark died, because I quite liked his character, and I liked to see him a little bit more throughout the film. Um, but I guess I've just got to try and twist that tension up a little bit to say that, you know... Some of our characters here are going to die in this environment, just to make it sort of realistic. But at the same time, I was, it was, I was ashamed. It was sad that he, that he died. But after this, uh, they leave the house, and then our heroes notice some Christmas lights flashing from a tower, and they enter the building to investigate. And they find that the stairway has been barricaded with some shopping trolleys. Then you kind of get that sort of, uh, another sort of impending doom scene where some infected come running after them. They've got to try and get up the stairs. And this is where they meet Frank, who's dressed up in like a police riot uniform. He takes on the infected and he basically tells our heroes to go into his apartment where he'll then meet, they'll meet his daughter. 
And then very quickly, you think Frank's going to be this real sort of hard character. And the next thing you know, he's giving them drinks. Um, he's having a little bit of a party and he introduces them to his daughter, Hannah. And this is where you get that conversation between Jim and Selena during the night that Selena says to Jim, you know, they need us more than we need them. You know, this is where that conversation starts between our, our characters. But anyway, the next day, uh, this is where Frank says that, you know, supplies are running low. Um, we don't have any water, but he's been listening to this uh, radio broadcast from Manchester saying that, um, you know, there's sanctuary up there. And he says that's that's where we need to get to. So him being a uh, taxi cab driver, uses his cab and they leave London to go to Manchester. This is a really good part of the movie. I like it when you've got some heroes that band together and they've got to get from point A to B. Uh, in this case, you get some uh, tense scenes. They've got to drive through a tunnel of, um, you know, infected chasing after them. You get some rats that come ch- come out from nowhere. And I thought that was a bit of a, uh, a James Herbert, the rats Easter egg there. Um, you get a scene here where Frank does something reckless. He drives over all these cars and he gets a flat tyre. And whilst he's trying to change the tyre, you get the infected chasing after him. Like I say, it's quite a tense scene. They then come to a supermarket, which I mentioned earlier, and they go and get some supplies. Um, like I say, it's got a really good soundtrack to it. It's one of my favourite um, songs in the movie. And as I said, it's like a, a Dawn of the Dead Easter egg here, where you know our heroes are having a little bit of a, a nice moment together, a bit of fun. And then they stop off at a nabby overnight, and this is where uh, I said, you know, Jim and Selena have that conversation where, you know, she comes out and says that the you know, the best thing we've got is staying alive, and then Jim disagrees with her, and there's a hint of a bit of a relationship between them, or a little bit of chemistry. Then it gets to the scene where they get to the blockades and they find Manchester's on fire. Frank realises that this this quest is just being for nothing. He, it was like almost like his last last hope. Bless him. Do you know what I mean? And to make matters worse, he, he gets infected by... And it's an awful scene. It's a scene that is probably, for me... Out of everything that's gone on, it's probably the worst scene because you invested with this character. Frank's a really nice bloke. He's got his daughter. His daughter is everything that she's got in the world. Then for him to get infected by some blood that drips into his eye. And then he comes out and says, you know, to his daughter, the last thing he goes, I love you. To then turn into a raging uh, zombie. And you just, I remember watching this back in the day and I was like, oh my God, you know what I mean? That's just hit me big time. Um, then the army turn up, they shoot Frank in the head, and this is the point of the movie, really, and I've heard a lot of people mention this, this is like, some people say they don't mind it, other people say I would have liked to have seen our heroes just spend a bit more time in the wasteland and see if they could try and find sanctuary, um, but again, after watching this a few times, I guess this is the point of the movie, and... This is where Danny Boyle has his like signature twist in his films, where it kind of goes from 
I suppose in this case, the heroes trying to survive to then find in what they think is sanctuary. And this is used quite a lot now in other zombie um, apocalypse movies, is that it's not the zombies you have to worry about. It's the actual survivors. And in this case, you know, spoilers for anybody who haven't seen this film, but I'll tell you straight away, the army are the bad guys in this movie. Um, because they want to do some awful, awful things to um, Selena and Hannah. And... The film has now gone from a open world adventure movie to a containment movie where our heroes are now stuck in this manner with these army guys who aren't who they appear to be and now they've got to try and survive this instead of the zombies they've got to try and survive the survivors and i think that's very clever from uh alex garden danny ball's perspective they've they've done a little bit of a twist so you're introduced to um, Major West, who's played by Christopher Eccleston. He's great in whatever he does. And like I say, he's playing the villain in this one. Um, but at, on the first impression, you think he's got himself organised. He's got himself a manor. It's uh, fortified. Um, he is actually dwindling on supplies himself. You get a funny scene with some uh, scrambled egg, which is covered in salt. Um... Jim meets one of the uh, squaddies, he's starting to lose it. And then it becomes apparent that they have, as I said, some nasty intentions um, for the two, two females, Selena and Hannah. And they try to get rid of Jim. And I really like the progression of the character of Jim because he has gone from a bloke who's woken up in a hospital bed to now a guy who's really toughened up from from that point in the hospital to now, he's he's beginning to think that I've got to do something about this. And because he rejects uh, Major West's plan, which is basically to use um, Hannah and Selena to try and repopulate the world, you know, with sexual acts, you know. But it's just... <laughs> it really is a very sort of dark point of the movie here. It really does sort of... It took me by surprise, if I'm honest with you. I thought it might just be... Uh, the way I saw this film, I thought it was going to be them meet up with the army and for them to then try and survive. And I thought it was just good. The main focus here for this film was just going to be to try and survive the virus. And I guess it's very clever how that took me by surprise. I didn't see that coming. But anyway, Jim refuses. Uh, Major West doesn't like that. So he puts him in, he puts Jim into a basement with another squaddy who's refusing to go along with this plan. And then Jim manages to he, he escapes execution. And then at this point he, he turns into an absolute badass. And <laughs> it's another thing I didn't really see coming. He's he's running around, he's got um squaddy trousers on, no shirt, and it's almost like he has turned into a raging zombie himself, so he really does step up his game. He goes back to the mansion, and he's, he gets very clever. He does actually have a plan. He um, he actually uses one of the um, zombies who's tied to a chain, which is a, forget a bit I forgot to mention is when West is trying to, in some ways, cleverly work out what, what the um, infected are doing. And he's just said that over time they will die, 
because they're not feeding themselves, looking after himself, which is the only thing that he's done, which I kind of get. But then Jim comes back anyway, so he comes back to the mansion, he, he lets this um, infected loose, and the infected goes around and starts taking on the, um, the squaddies. Jim uses this to his advantage. Jim manages to find uh, Selena and Hannah, and there's a... Uh, there's an awful scene here, and it's almost like it's probably the worst act that you see in this film where Jim takes on this squaddy and he literally gouges out his eyes. It's almost like, he's, again, it's like he's turned into a zombie himself just to survive. And then he gets up and Selena's there with a, a machete in her hand and she's looking at him. And this is what she mentioned, something she mentioned earlier is now mentioned now, where she says, I'll kill you in a heartbeat. And he stood there covered in blood. You might think that he's an infected zombie himself. And he says to her, that was longer than a heartbeat. And then she goes to kiss him. And then he just says to her, look, you know, let's get away from this. And there is more that we can do. We do need each other. We can go and live a life together. So then they escape the building. They get into a cab outside. And... Unfortunately, in the back of the cab, this is where you've got Major West waiting for them, and he shoots Jim in the stomach. And then Selena, she reverses the car into the soldier who's been turned into a zombie, and then he reaches for Major West, and then he pulls him out, and then he just tears him apart. So West uh, kind of gets his comeuppance in this scene. So they manage to, our heroes in managed to escape in the cab and then it just comes to like a final scene where they go through uh, the barricades and it's like everybody falls into the like a camera shot and it just sort of ends there and then you get um 28 days later again and you find selena and hannah in a cottage somewhere in the countryside and now you got you get two endings here you get a ending where Jim's died and he's turned into a chicken. And then you get an ending where Jim has survived. He wakes up in bed. And he it, it's quite a nice ending because he's, he's in this cottage. It's like they found a life for themselves, some peace, some sanctuary. And then you get a... Um, Air Force jet fly over and then they put out a uh, sheet saying hello and that's how the movie ends so it ends with all like i say you get two endings one with jim i kind of like the one with jim surviving which um leaves you with uh, a little bit of hope um for our heroes at the end but yeah it, that's it that's the movie so um that's how this film ends so that is 28 days later and it like i said it just uh, reignited the zombie genre and it's still continuing today. So yeah, if you haven't if you haven't seen it, check it out. If you have seen it, you know, hope you enjoyed it. Um, there's my thoughts in there. Like I said, it's um, there's I do like the way it, it, it ended, and I can see why Danny Boyle did it the way he did with Alex Garland. But um, at the same time, I would have liked to have seen Jim and Selena and our hero spend a little bit of time in the wasteland. And if if it was just a movie for them to try and find sanctuary. Um, without finding the army, um, that that would have worked fine. But there you go. That's that's just that's just my own um, outlook. But on the whole, it's a good film. So uh, there you go, guys. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, 
a little bit of admin for the show. I am a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network, so please go and check out all the other shows on there, including my other show, which is the Mystery Vault Podcast, where I talk about all the unexplained and mysterious things around the world. And you can find uh, Bite Size Cinema Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and several other players on the internet. If you put in Bite Size Cinema Podcast Legion onto Google. Uh, I've got a Facebook page, uh, that's where I'm most active, so you put any comments and any um, other suggestions for movies, let me know. Um, and what we're going to be coming back with next, so the next episode should be Armageddon, and uh, my good buddy Kung Fu Dave will be joining me for that. And then um, later on down the line, uh, Dan Bone's going to be joining me again soon for return of the jedi and like i say a little shout out to dan he's um he's had an operation um he's been through <laughs> he's been through a hell of a hell of a lot i think with that operation so he's recovering so a little shout out there mate um like i say um anybody knows dan send him some some love i know you already have and uh, hopefully we'll have him back soon for that so um so yeah there you go guys um as always keep it bite size keep it safe and watch out for those zombies out there. I'll see you soon. show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast duncan and Bo come correct exploding heads horror movie podcast friday the 13th get slayed the hell Ming power hour hello this is the doom show hero hero ghost show kill the cast underwater kaiju from outer space jerry hates action legion after dark metal health obsessive cinema discourse Pick Six Movies, the podcast by The Cemetery, the podcast on Haunted Hill, the Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.